0: Lord, as we come before you for this last session, we're continuing to ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us. We ask for your wisdom and guidance and for understanding again, Father. And we just pray that as we leave these sessions that your Holy Spirit will continue to go with us and help our minds and our hearts to be open to the deceptions of the enemy and more open to your truth. In the name of Jesus, your Son, we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this last part, we're talking about moving away from the vain philosophies of psychology. And... um, I think one way that we can really do so is to start utilizing this woman's writings up here. You've heard me refer to her a lot throughout this session and we're just going to share a little bit more about what she has that would lead the Baptist minister to say you know what you all have a treasure that if you would utilize this so much would be done with some of our um, mental health problems. Now what does she say about how we attract and keep new members? Does she say that we should stay away from calling out sin and we should meet people's felt needs and she does say we should meet people's
1: felt needs. it does
0: say that. literally the word felt needs felt needs I'd like need. for you to show me that word and I'm sure the way she uses it is probably not the way we're using it but I'd like wow. to see that but anyway let's see what she says about attracting and keeping new members I have been informed by my guide that not only should those who believe the truth practice health reform but they should also teach it diligently for others for it will be an agency through which the truth can be presented to the attention of unbelievers. Do you all know how using the health message can attract people to our churches? Some of us have attested to that. I don't know how many of us still believe that, but oftentimes people may not hear a sermon and might not hear anything about Christ initially, but if you can show them that you're interested in their health needs, it can open up a lot of doors. There will reason, she said, that if we have such sound ideas in regard to health and temperance, there must be something in our religious belief that is worth investigating. I see so many typos on here. I got to go through this again. That is worth investigating. Um, someone and I were, were recently having, this person is in here, we were having some um, talks about this, the, presenting the health work, and in my mind, I'm still trying to figure out, Lord, how is this done? Can we just do the health work and never say anything about Christ? And, and then, you know, my husband's of the mindset, let's plant the seeds and let the, you know, someone else do the watering and someone else will come along and do the increase. But the, the point is, this health work is, a, is an entering wedge. And we can use this and see results where we don't have to turn to the megachurch philosophies and ways of doing things. And so I wanted to just share that. She also shares with us in evangelism that they, meaning us, should enter, enter heartily into the work of visiting and holding Bible reading with those newly come to the faith. Bible workers are so important. And we're recognizing that some churches are recognizing the importance of this. I was talking to someone who works with AFCO here, and they were telling me how a lot of the AFCO graduates are being picked up as Bible workers in churches and is doing wonders. When we bring in new people, we have to meet with them and hold Bible readings with them because we have to help them through this process of growing. And what about advice on winning and keeping young people? She has things on this. She literally says in Adventist home that we need to study how to win youth to Jesus. We actually need to study that. That's just something that just comes off. We can't come off the top of our head with that. We need to study that. We have an army of youth who can do much if they are properly directed and encouraged. Let all be so trained that they may rightly represent the truth given the reason, excuse me, for the hope that is within them. That's why I love these YC movements. It's doing wonders for us. Even us older hags are learning a lot from these meetings, and I just love it. Well, let me not call ourselves older hags, more mature in age. We're learning from these youth meetings and coming along and and, and doing some things differently. There is need of representing genuine religion before the youth. Such religion will prove a vital power and all-pervading influence. And this is the religion that the youth must behold if they are to be drawn to Christ. This kind of religion will leave its divine impression on souls. Some of you may know some of this, but I'm just pulling things out of the books that we have that can show you how we can grow churches, how we can attract members and keep members. We don't have to use these secular psychology philosophies to do so. Does she have counsel on caring for our minds? She has a lot of counsel. The health of the mind is to a large degree dependent upon the health of the body. And the health of the body is dependent upon the way the living machinery is treated. When I'm working with people now, it's important if you're working with people with depression and anxiety, even eating disorders, they're, trying, they're starting to find out. All of these things are due to a dysfunction of the brain. And if we are truly going to help people, we have to bring in the lifestyle principles to help. Just the example that I just gave about telling the, the, the um, sister to have her, her brother do heart and cold treatments, to raise the, neuro, the uh, def, different neurotransmitters in her brain, and learning to eat better and exercise. All of these things are important, and psychology is starting to realize that. If our brains are not clear, we may know that we have been transgressing some of nature's laws. When my brain is confused, I know that I've been making some mistake in my diet. That's what she says. And sometimes we wonder, why am I so foggy? Why am I not thinking clearly? It might be something that you're eating that's contributing to that. This was interesting, you know me with my research. In a study of 175 adults with bipolar disorder, Dr. Ellen Frank found that those who improved regularity in their daily routines Again, this is a secular psychologist talking, such as regular sleep patterns, averted pneumatic or depressive episodes longer than those who focused on regulating their mood symptoms and medications. Just getting bipolar people to have regularity, going to bed around the same time, eating around the same time, exercising around the same time, was better than the medication and just teaching them how to regulate their mood. What does she tell us? The importance of regularity in the time for eating and sleeping should not be overlooked. She told us this long before Dr. Frank found this out. There should be regular hours for rising, for family worship, for meals and for work. And it is a religious duty to maintain this. Godliness, health, his success, everything suffers from this lack of true religious system. I worked with a a woman, she was a um, highway patrol officer, and for three years she was going to doctors trying to find out why she was having sleep problems. And if you don't know this, many times when doctors can't deal with issues, they send them to us. It must be depression. It must be a counseling issue. So the doctor sent her over to me, and the Holy Spirit said to me, ask her about whether or not she did shift work. Have you ever done shift work? She was surprised. Yes, I did it for 18 years. How did you know? I said, that's why you're having sleep problem. Your circadian rhythm is off. Let's get you on a regular schedule where you're eating at the same time around, you're going to bed around the same time, and you're getting sunlight to help change your body clock. Two sessions later, she called and says, tell Dr. Parks I don't need to come in anymore. I'm sleeping fine. Regularity. Now, if I had worked my traditional way, I would have said, um, tell me about your childhood. How did your parents treat you? Were you a favorite child or were you treated wrong? You know what I'm saying? And we would have been in there for months with this. But because I knew the laws of health, thank God, I was able to say to her, this is the problem. And she started sleeping fine. And this has been shared by the servant of the Lord years ago. Then the whole thing about thoughts. The thoughts must be trained. Gird up the loins of the mind that it shall work in the right direction. Every day the thought should be trained and kept to the point as the compass to the pole. And this is what cognitive behavior therapy is all about. Helping us recognize how thoughts affect everything that we do. And we must understand how changing our thoughts and gearing our thoughts in the right way is so helpful. And they're showing how even cognitive behavior therapy is changing the chemistry of the brain. It's doing a lot of things. It's a biblical principle. And she talks a lot about... um, trying to um, gear our thoughts in the right way and how that affects our mental health. She even has advice for students. Study is not the principal cause of breakdown, she says. I worked in various counseling centers and a lot of students would have breakdowns and we're thinking, oh, they're studying too much. But look what she says is the reason. The main cause is improper diet, irregular meals, a lack of physical exercise, and careless attention to the laws of health. I think to the many students I worked with who had breakdowns and I said, you know, you need to study less. That's why the breakdown is occurring. But if I could go back and say, no, it's because your diet is probably not good, you're not getting regular meals, you're not exercising regularly, and you're not paying attention to the laws of health. That's the the main cause of breakdown for students. She also says, excessive study by increasing the flow of the blood to the what? Creates morbid excitability that tends to lessen the power of what? So you might ace that exam, but when you're spending so much time studying, you're lessening your power to say no to certain things. Saying no to whatever may be in your life that you're losing control over. Advice to students I think is just powerful. She often says too, she also says I should say, too often the minds of students are occupied with men's theories and speculations. Falsely called science and philosophy. Some of the stuff that Rogers, Freud, all of those falsely called. You know what's interesting? I said I was going to say something about this as a side note. Do you recognize that there is not much research to show that what Freud said is accurate? There's very little science that shows that some of the theories he came up with is accurate. There's very little science that shows that what Carl Rogers came up to was accurate. There's very little science about what Maslow says. So even though we're touting these theories, there's no science to support it. And I'm gonna go even further. You know the DSM, do y'all know what that is? The DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. It's like the Bible for psychiatrists. You look up symptoms and you diagnose people with obsessive compulsive disorder, the major depressive disorder. Do you know that that's not based on science? Did y'all know that? A group of psychiatrists gets together every four or five years and says, all right, let's look at these symptoms. Okay, they seem to fit under this. Uh, This seems to fit under this. And that's how that DSM-3, four or five, whatever they're up to now, I don't know, I haven't looked at it in a while, is up to uh, how it's been developed. It's not based on science. And there are psychologists who have a big problem with using it. I still use it here and there as a point of reference, but I keep in the back of my mind that this is not scientifically based. So a lot of psychology we use is not scientifically based. But let's get back to this. They need to be brought into contact with nature. Thus, the mental powers will be strengthened, the character developed. Speaking of not being based on science and Carl Rogers, someone shared a story with me. Would you mind coming up and sharing that again with Carl Rogers? I think it's good for us to hear this, understand the background of some of these men whose theories we're following.
2: I had a friend who uh, admired I had a friend who admired Carl Rogers and about, I think it was about 1985, um, we were down in the San Diego area where he lived in a beautiful home uh, looking out over the ocean in the San Diego area, Del Mar. And uh, somehow he got permission to go over there and we were talking to him and he was telling him how he admired him and all this. And then um, I brought my guitar, and we started singing some s- hymns. And uh, we said, oh, we have something we'd like to share, you know. And so then we, I started to sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And you could see that Carl Rogers was drawn, and he was thinking about his past, and he sort of said some stuff about how he had known those things when he was younger and stuff. But, well, I didn't believe that now, and he was resisting it. Um, but we sowed a seed, and... Um, I don't know he died a couple years later but um you know here he was with all these ideas and yet the word was something that could draw him a little amen carl rogers was actually trained as a theologian
0: i don't know if you all know this yes he went through seminary and what happened was um i think he went to a conference international conference somewhere and saw that there was so much confusion in the religious world about different things and he eventually says you know what i don't want to be told i'm kind of paraphrasing what to do and how to do it i want to get into a a a, a, a discipline a field where i can just have my own thoughts and worldview on things and he controls psychology wow. Which is just as, as religion. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's right <laughs> and he's the one that pushes the unconditional stuff he pushes self-esteem. Many of the things we talked about here is pushed by this man, who the woman just gave a story about, and this, who was also formerly a theologian. So we can, we can see where that led to, sad to say. But we don't know what, what state he died in. All we could do is just hope. What about advice on marriage? A lot of advice on marriage. I just told someone the other day, they're going through this different counseling with counselors, and I said, they're Adventists, and I says, have the two of you all ever just sat down and used Adventist Home as a devotional? He says, no, we've never done that. I said, I advise you to do that. Some powerful information in there. She says in Adventist Home, you must both unite in deciding to overcome, to seal your lips against speaking any words of wrong, even if you have to fall on your knees and cry aloud, Lord, rebuke the adversary of my soul. We wonder how to deal with conflict sometimes. We go to psychologists to teach us communication skills and listening and all of that, and that's great. But sometimes we literally need to fall on our knees and say, Lord, help, my tongue, you know, when we're dealing in relationships. She also says, in every family, there are times of misunderstandings. There are thoughts and feelings expressed that Satan takes advantage of. But if both husband and wife will resist the devil and humble their hearts before God, then the difficulties will soon be healed without leaving ugly scars. You know what the key is here? If both husband and wife will resist the devil. It takes two to really resolve that. One by themselves can sometimes do it because in um, Thessalonians, or one of the Pauline epistles, he says that the um, unbeliever can be sanctified by the believing wife. So there are times when the Holy Spirit can work that way, but the better way is if both are united in that. This is something I see a lot of. The women have had their imaginations perverted by novel reading, daydreaming, and castle building. They have a lovesick sentimentalism, constantly thinking they're not appreciated, that their husband do not give them all the attention they deserve. We women can grow into get into some big problems with this lovesick sentimentalism. I used to think my husband should appear at the door with roses when we first got married, you know, every week because I had filled my mind with some of the fiction that Alistair Huang was talking about this morning during his devotional, things we read, soap operas and all of that. And she says that we need to be careful with that. And then she speaks to husbands, too. I'm not letting y'all off the hook. Husbands should be careful, attentive, constant, faithful, and compassionate. If he has the mind of Christ, he will be full of tender love. So there's advice on both hands. Husbands need to be more compassionate. We, we as women need to get out of our castle building when we're dealing in our marriages. She goes on, I don't know how many of y'all have read sexu- uh, testimonies on sexual behavior, adultery, and divorce. She has some powerful counsel in there, stories about people. And regarding frivolous, unwise attention to women, she says, if you bestow attentions upon those who have no need, you are doing the recipients harm. And that's advice for sometimes men can throw attention on women who have no need for that, and, and we're doing more harm than good. And she says, be careful how you, I'm sorry?
3: Witness
0: all the movie stars. That's right. <laughs> Behold, be careful how you are enticed to make women your confidants or to allow them to make you their confidant. I've heard ministers say that. Um, They will not go to visit and counsel other women unless there is another person there present. And then the same um, ministry I talked about earlier, the pastors who fell and got into affairs with women, many of them said, it's because I met these women with no one there with me. And she's telling us, be careful, we can't allow, um, I've actually stopped. At one point, I stopped counseling men, because it it creates an intimacy there and can do a lot. I'm counseling this young man now, but my preference is, if I am to see men, to have my husband there with me. Because when people are bearing their souls to you, it creates a real intimate environment, and things can happen. We have to be real careful. And she tells us this right here. What about advice for parents? Parents should in their words and departments toward each other give to the children a precious living example of what they desire them to be. We wonder why our kids are having problems, but we haven't been the example we should be. When your children do wrong, she says, and are filled with rebellion and you are tempted to speak and act harshly, wait before you correct them. Give them an opportunity to think and allow your temper to cool. You know, psychologists do suggest these kind of things. They say don't discipline your children when you're angry. She said this years before psychologists said this, but we will turn to them and not recognize what we have in these books because we're not opening them up, and we need to start doing that. If you have failed in your duty to your family, confess your sins before God. Gather your children about you and acknowledge your neglect. Some of us as parents, I've met parents, parents who are just like under this load of guilt. I messed up as a parent. I did all these horrible things. And they're not recognizing some of the load can be lessened if they will just take their family and say, you know, I've messed up. I've learned some things now that I wish I had done differently before. Please forgive me for that. I don't know how many of you all have heard of T. Marshall Kelly. He's a singer and a preacher. Have you heard of him? He spoke, again on 3ABN. (laughs) I heard him speaking, and he said that he actually had to get to the point. His his son had left the church, and he got to the point where he says, you know what, I need to call my son up and apologize, and says, you know, son, in my ministry, I I neglected you. I was, uh, you know, helping everyone else, singing to everyone else, and I neglected you. And he apologized to him. They had a real open session. They talked, and son is back in the church now. You know, and some of us, par- as parents, we need to do that with our kids. We're wondering why they're out there, we, we need to say to them, you know, there's some things I've done wrong, please forgive me. And you don't know how the Holy Spirit may use that to bring your son or daughter back into the church. This is what I, the quote I tried to remember earlier. She says, I have said that to shake a child would shake two evil spirits in while it would shake one out. If a child is wrong, to shake it only makes it worse. And in, um, in, I know in the Department of Family Children's Services, many children are pulled out of the home sometimes when they say that the mother just shakes them all the time to try to, to um, discipline them. That's not the way to go. But I'm pointing these out to show to you, in the 1800s, this woman came up with this council. And if we as a church will just sit down and pull it out, people would be amazed at what we have and would just be running to us for help and recognizing that we've had these things. What about advice on how to be happy? I actually pulled this out from mind, character, and personality, and I'm going to to just share some things. So closely is health related to happiness that we cannot have the latter without the former. She puts the two of them together. Hard to be happy if you're not taking care of your mind and your body. Each one possesses in himself the source of his own happiness or wretchedness. Some of us are looking for happiness all on the outside, but she's saying it's within ourselves. And of course, we're including the Holy Spirit working within us. We don't want to get Oprah-like, you know, who says everything is in you. But she's saying in himself, recognizing those of us who have the Holy Spirit living within. Happiness that is sought from selfish motives outside of the path of duty is ill-balanced, fitful, and transitory. So if we're looking for happiness, by doing things to make us feel good, that happiness will not last. It's transitory, it's fitful, and it's not balanced. These are some keys to happiness that we can be sharing with the world. If the mind is free and happy from a consciousness of what? right doing, and a sense of satisfaction in causing happiness to others, it creates a cheerfulness that will react upon the whole system. She's getting physiological on us now. Causing a freer circulation of the blood and atoning of the entire body. The blessing of God is a healing power. Isn't that amazing? You know this is kind of an aside but something else she says in Ministry of Healing she talks about, um, you know, one of the exercises that's best for people who are suffering with mental disorders and physical disorders. Do you know what it is? That's one of the best, but something even better. Gardening. Gardening, Gardening because she says it takes the attention off of our sufferings onto something else. But you know what's interesting, there's some research where they did it with mice and something else, where they're actually finding that in the dirt, there are some things that help the serotonin. You've heard that? It's powerful help serotonin production in the brain. And I thought back to that particular thing in Ministry of Healing where she says gardening can help. It's amazing what's out there in terms of really helping people. I'd like to start a center where, uh, in fact, Dr. Thresh told me, I sat down with her one day, we talk a lot, and I said, "Uh, have you ever dealt with schizophrenia? What did you find to be successful? She says, you know what I found to be the most successful in working with schizophrenic patients? Having them outside working in the garden. You've heard her talk about this? She told me about a situation that she had a schizophrenic who was diagnosed with catatonic schizophrenia. You know the ones that just stay still? And what happened was she had them with a lifestyle counselor and the, she, the, the, the schizophrenic person had a, a hoe in the hand and the counselor had a hole in their hand. So the counselor just started modeling hoeing, you know, the ground, and the, the person with schizophrenia just kind of stood there the first couple of days. And so then the counselor took the, the person with schizophrenia's hand with the hoe and motioned to them to start hoeing. A few days later they came and the person with schizophrenia was just hacking, you know, not doing properly but it was it was a step hacking flowers and everything, she said. This is Dr. Thrash talking to me. After that, a few days later, this happened in days increments, just was hoeing properly And by the time they left, schizophrenic symptoms were gone. She told me story upon story where she worked with people with schizophrenia and just had them working out in the garden and symptoms went away. She stopped because of an unfortunate incident unfortunate incident happened where she says, you know what, I can't take anymore because I don't have enough people to really, because when, when they have these, they can have the violent episodes and you have to have enough personnel to be able to guard them. So she doesn't take them anymore at Pines, but she gave story upon story about using outside to help these people. And my dream one day is to have a center like that when I can have the personnel to take, because the psychiatric hospitals are doing nothing for schizophrenia. They're really not, because they're not dealing with lifestyle, they're not dealing with schizophrenia. And we as an Adventist church should have a place for these people to go. That's a burden I have on my heart, and maybe one day the Lord will help me realize that dream. How did I get on that? Anyway, hopefully that was helpful. You know all these things that are happening. Gardening—that's what it was. All these things that are happening. There's a reason why all these heresies are coming into the church. Do you know that? It tells us in First Corinthians: For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved of you m- may—oh boy—may. What is that? I have that wrong be made manifest among you. I need to go back and change that. What is that saying? Somebody elaborate on that for me. This, this explained to me why God is allowing secular psychology and all of its false teachings to come in. There's a reason. Can someone explain that? Yes. As
2: the night grows darker, the stars shine brighter.
0: OK. As the night grows darker, the stars shine brighter. Yes. She wants us to investigate the very areas where the conflict is so we know for ourselves what is truth. Any other thoughts on that? I used to wonder, why is God allowing these things to come into our church? But when I read this, it, made, it, it was clear to me. Those who are approved may be made manifest among you. Some of you might have read W.D. Frazee's Ministry of Heresies. You ever read that? No, oh, you need to get that. It's a little booklet. And he talks about how heresies coming into our church are actually ministering because it was revealing the true versus the false amongst us. It's a powerful thing. So as we talk about these heresies, what Satan means for evil, God means for good, and he's bringing them in to sift out the false and the true. And my prayer is that those of you sitting in here will not be sifted out, will not allow these heresies of secular psychology to sift you out, but that it will make you go back to God's word and investigate it and become stronger in him. As I've become more aware of this, I'm reading and studying the Bible in a way that I've never done before. I'm reading stories. I mean, I just read the story of, of Hannah and Samuel the other day, and I was able to use that. A mother contacted me. Her son graduated from one of our institutions. He's going away as a missionary for two years, and she contacted me by email. I'm so destroyed, I'm losing my son. And I sent to her some quotes that I read from patriarchs and Prophets in the Bible about how Hannah said, Lord, if you will give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. And Hannah was able to release him to the Lord, to do the Lord's work, and I shared that with her, and she called me back and said, thank you for that. You see how we can just take the Bible and use the practical principles and just help people? It's a wonderful thing. And the more you read, when situations come back, the Holy Spirit will bring that to you to share with people. It's very good. But I wanted to share that with you. That's why heresies are coming in. And you don't want to be sifted out. You want to be one of those who's going to be grounded and stand firm as these heresies and doctrines come our way. This was written by Frisee as well. He says, now, if we get in the habit of having men solve our problems, what will be built in our characters? Dependence on whom? On man. And the devil has set every agency in operation to get us into that place where, whatever our problem is, whether it's a financial problem, a health problem, an emotional problem, a happiness problem, a religious problem, whatever it is, that there's some man or combination of men that can solve it for us. And I believe it's the ploy of the enemy to get us so dependent on counselors that we're not, we forget who our true dependence should be on. Some of you were not here to hear the story of the man that I transferred over. Did any of you, who was not here to hear about? A few of you, I'll mention it again. He was an airline mechanic, and I was seeing him for two years, felt like I couldn't help him anymore, transferred him over to a male psychologist. His sister called me a month later and said he tried to kill himself because I did that. And to me, that shows the dependency that can create, be created when you see these people for long periods of time. We have to be so careful. And Frizia is saying here, when we do this, It's causing us to look more to man and less to God. And there's a time coming that if we train ourselves to look more to man, when the end time comes, we're going to be looking to man to help us to know what decisions to make, to take the mark or take the seal. Some of you may say that's far-fetched. But it's not. We're training our minds right now to determine who we're going to show our allegiance and loyalty to. And I believe, I truly in my heart believe that the quote I showed in the very first session, that Satan is increasing this as we near the close of probation. He is leading us to align ourselves more with these theories of men so that when the test comes to every soul, it'll be easy for us to just give our allegiance over to him and not to God. You all understanding what I'm saying? So right now we need to be, not only for ourselves. My prayer is that as you've heard this today, that you will go out and share it with others. Those you know going into the field or in the field and pray as you go to this, because it's really hard to deal with this for people who are in the mental health profession already, sharing with them these things, because your livelihood is built on this. When I first heard it, I was very angry, because I had spent thousands of dollars going through to get my PhD and finding out that, you know, you didn't really need this. But now I look at it as a blessing, and this is the, sort of, by the help of my husband. He says, you can get into doors because of this degree now and share this with people where I can't. So what Satan means for evil, God means for good. And God saw down the line that I was going to have my eyes open, and he said, you know, I'll let you go through this. But not everybody gets out as scot-free as I do. So those of you thinking going into the field, pray about this first, because it's a, a field that can really do some interesting things to your mind. And this is my last quote, and we'll talk a little in end. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This should be a watch, a watch quote for so many of us. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I kind of skipped through it. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And you know what the rest of the verse says. And i like to end with this quote. There is one safeguard against Satan's deceptions and snares. That is the truth as it is in Jesus. The truth planted in the heart, nourished by watchfulness and prayer, nourished by the grace of Christ, will give us discernment. And that comes from That I Might Know Him, page 301. So if we have the truth and we're planted on it, any error that comes about, that detector will say, something is wrong. Um, I almost gave an example of a TV show from years ago, but I won't do that. (laughs) You remember? Danger, danger. That's what, you know, I'm dating myself here. You don't remember that show? Okay, that's okay. Um, (laughs) It was a show where the robot would say danger. But I'm saying as we study God's word in our minds, the bells will go off. Danger, danger. Something is wrong when we hear these theories. Prayerfully, this has been a blessing to you. And I'm just going to open the floor up for any comments. I know this is not the whole time, but. Any comments or questions that any of you have about anything, feel free to free to ask. Usually I get much more questions than I've gotten in these sessions. I'm I must be preaching to the choir. Much more receptive than I'm used to. <laughs> yes.
3: Does anyone know why David Feaver is not here this weekend? I believe he was originally scheduled to be one of the speaker. Oh, he is here.
0: Yes. Um, I didn't
2: see him on the schedule of speaking. He
0: is yeah. here. He's in the yeah. he's a breakout sessions. Yes, he's one of the breakout sessions. Yes.
1: You know, one of the things that Dr. Moore was saying is that there's always balancing statements for every principle. I want to repeat
0: what you said just for the recording. Everything, there's always balancing statements and principles. Yes.
1: Right. And when we say, you know, we, it's true that people can be overly dependent on people, and yet at the same time, Satan's big thing is to isolate you from
2: others, and you can't talk about your problems Very good point.
0: Very, yes. good point. Very good point. Yes. Thank you for bringing that out. There's the, the side where we can be do, too dependent, she says, and then there's the other side where we could be so isolated from people and not want to share anything, and there's a balance between the two. I'm glad you brought that up because I think what happens, I don't like these labels, but I'm going to use them because so you all can understand it. I can't stand the liberal conservative label. That's my pet peeve because it means nothing to me. Conservatives are not getting to heaven any quicker than liberals. Liberals are not getting to heaven. But for just purposes of us talking right now, in our conservative circles, I think that's a big issue. We feel like we have to put on a certain way, and we can't talk about the problems that we're having because it shows something is wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And so some of us may isolate ourselves, like you're saying, and not I really share. Be very selective of who you
1: share things with. I agree. You with, and, and you should, you know, but I think we should be
2: asking for prayer for each other. Amen amen lot, amen you know, we not hide, hide amen we should not
0: hide between i'm just repeating it because it's being recorded we shouldn't hide we should ch- ask for prayer and feel free to do that um there was and the work that my husband and I do, sometimes we get to go into Adventist homes, or Christian homes, and learn a lot. We also do the cold porting work. We mix it with the health work, and we kind of um, use that as an entering wedge to get in there and sell some of our message books. And it's interesting how we go into Adventist homes, and some of them will say to us, I've been struggling with smoking for 20-something years, but I'm scared to bring it up at prayer meeting or anywhere else, because I'm afraid they're going to disfellowship me. That, might, that should not be. Right. You know, we should have an open environment environment where people feel free to say, I am struggling with this. Pray for me. Direct me. Show me guidance. Do something for me. But this is exactly what you're talking about. Thank you for bringing up that point. Any other questions? Yes.
3: What has been your experience in the realm of pediatric counseling?
0: My experience in the realm of pediatric counseling? It's very limited because I was taught that should left to the child psychologist but I have been doing increasing work with attentional deficit disorder and, and, and my work with that has been helping the frontal lobe to be strengthened, because you know that's where it's centered. I worked with a lady who came to me crying, saying they're about to put my child on Ritalin. I had her increase his omega-3. I had her stop. He stopped watching cartoons. All you could watch was nature's things, I said. Um, and I had her having being, going outside more and stop with the video games. She called me two months later and said, the teacher said, he's concentrating better, paying attention. They won't put him on Ritalin. That's the extent of my pediatric work. But I'm really i more of child guidance because I'm getting more and more of those questions and I wanna be able to do more with that. So do we you know, need more help. Do
3: you know anybody in the Adventist Church or that has, that is specifically with the same focus?
0: I know none. Not saying they don't exist, I just don't know any. And we need some of that, we really do. Yeah. Um, any other questions or comments? Yes, hi. The mental institutions, interest in that, okay. My mother
1: was a nurse and she worked in psychiatric hospital on a limited basis, but she, she had a feeling that some of those patients were actually being really possessed because they
2: had superhuman strength. Yes,
0: uh, their arm, yes, I yes. It. I do believe that some of that has to do, not all of it, but I believe there's some demon possession that goes on there. I used to laugh at people when I hear them say that oh, poor things, they're not trained in psychology, so don't really understand what's causing schizophrenia. But I truly believe that that is part of it now. And that superhuman strength sometimes can be explained uh, physiologically, because you know, you've heard of mothers where the cars have fallen on their kids and they get that superhuman strength and pick up the cars because the adren- adrenaline and all of that. So I do believe sometimes that may be physiologically um, pr- produced, but I also uh, I agree with what you're saying, that some of this, I believe, is, is, is um, demon possession. I really do. And they need spiritual work, so thank you for bringing that out. That's very true. Yes, now Dr. Nelson. A can of worms. Now I have. Okay.
3: Who is going to determine that this is a possession issue as opposed to a unbalanced? neurotransmitters or poor diet?
0: I think what we can do is, I read this from some other counselors who don't believe in traditional counseling and interesting what they said. They said you take a four-pronged approach when you're dealing with problems. First you deal with it on a lifestyle basis. Okay, if that resolves it then you know it was lifestyle related. If not lifestyle then you move down and say is there a medical cause for this? Sometimes schizophrenia schizophrenia can be medically induced, like with drug psychosis and all of that. It's the drugs that alters the brain. If that doesn't do something, then we go down to the spiritual level. Okay, And if spiritually there's nothing going on, then we know that this is just a normal thing in life that has to occur. Not schizophrenia, but problems that way we may be having that's just part of your Christian walk. So the point I'm making is that I think we go through some layers like that to see. Because if the person is following lifestyle, there's no medical cause, then we know then it's likely some kind of spiritual issue going on. So that's, that's my take on how we can determine what's going on there, personally. Because sometimes with schizophrenia, if you do the lifestyle things and it's, everything's going on OK, then we can kind of know that wasn't demon possession going on. But if, if lifestyle is being implemented and still nothing's happening, then we know there's something else going on. That's my off-the-cuff get, guess on that. But who determines that? It's the, the professional working with them, I guess. <laughs> yes? The fourth prong is that this is just a natural part of life and your character development as a Christian. Your illness. your illness. Not your illness, but they were talking specifically about if you're going to a counselor for depression and anxiety or something like that. So I guess your your illness, you mean I like guess. The
2: flesh.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a good example. Yes. Um, originate in the mind would mean to me, I've read that several times. I was talking to Dr. Nelson and I've talked to many physicians who say to me that when people come in, a lot of their problems are emotionally induced. And it's manifesting themselves in hypertension, diabetes, um, other types of chronic diseases. And personally, I think that's what she was referring to. Stress is killing us in our society today. And stress is largely due to mind. It's not what's happening to us, not the stressor, but our response to it that causes problems. And as you look at now, when in the medical world, a lot of physicians will tell you people are coming in and they know that a lot of their problems are due to things going on emotionally that's manifesting themselves physically. So does that make sense? Yeah, nine-tenths of the diseases originate in the mind. Yes, Dr. Melton, I saw you.
3: Narcissistic, narcissistic
0: borderline. borderline. You know what? The- I think um, I'm still studying that, <laughs> the personality disorders, but I, think, I, I, I just think it's another label for people who lack self-control and are self-centered. That's my just off-the-hand response to that. But that's something It's funny you should bring that out because I'm in the process of really trying to understand that now. And I think I'm learning slowly how I would deal with that, them as they come in, looking at some of the symptoms they ma- manifest and then looking what the biblical response to that would be like. Borderline personality, very much into themselves and into getting their needs gratified, just similar to the narcissistic. And there is, again, if I want to just go pure secular, science is not supporting these labels. You know, and when science doesn't support it, I get real scared as to what's going on here. Yeah,
3: yes? You ever run into the 1957 research study in Australia indicating damage due to watching television?
0: The 1957 research, research on television. On
3: television that was done in
0: Australia. I've never heard that. Tell me about it.
3: I've only heard an allusion to it. Pastor John Glass mentioned it in the seminar. The Valley Utah, uh, Utah Conference. Elect Hollywood. You can't mean I
2: should say. Okay. You just you mentioned it
0: and you'll go right off. Oh no, I haven't heard but much about
2: it. There's a lot of research in proved positive by Dr. Neil Medley. About the
0: impact of television, yeah. There's a lot of stuff well, in the actually there.
1: the American Academy of Pediatrics now says uh says
0: that for children under two they should have no screen time. That is I love that. The uh under under age two should have no television no academy screen time. No screen time at all. Wow. The Academy of...
3: limited for less than yeah. three hours yeah. for the yeah. old. Anybody older. Too.
0: Anybody older should be limited. And I love it. And, um, find yeah. yeah, somebody's asking That's where can... The co- American Academy
3: of Pediatrics Official Statement you can just go to their website.
1: You can
0: go to their website.
1: Yes, it does. And especially damaging a children under
0: two. Well, when you think about the brain developing, it would make sense. You know, it it hampers the brain development because at that time there's some critical things going on in brain development. And you understanding the frontal lobe and the development of that and standing in front of a blank screen and your brain is not being exercised to develop, that would just make sense to me how it would hamper, hamper that. And it's also found that it hampers creativity, many of the things. What did you say, Doctor? Zombies. turning them into zombies and then they then we put them in school for eight hours and wonder what's wrong you know so thank you for that what, what does someone else say I heard some other comment on that television is is just one of the tools of the enemy I believe I really do and it's I mean, I, I, rem- I had a woman I worked with who um, was having a hard time getting out of this relationship with this man who was in and out of jail I took her off TV, I took her off of novels, and she was finally able to break that relationship. Because her frontal lobe got, got stronger, and the frontal lobe is where decision-making is housed. And she said to me, I am so much stronger because I'm not watching and, and reading these things than I was before. Yes, I saw your hand. I-
1: Mhm. and say, God, help me, and I hear the help, help me, and I go to her, well, what can I help you? Oh, nothing practically, and she does that all night. If I get up, turn the light on, and if I turn the TV on, she doesn't be moaning, and I, I was telling her husband, this is very funny, mm. she's, she's in pain, she's groaning. she's, she's moaning, but with the light on, the television on, she doesn't
0: Hmm. Like yes, I was going to say it sounds like anxiety. It sounds like there's something underlying there that somehow the television may distract her from that. That's what it sounds like.
1: No, even when she's sleepy, she left the television on, but she, I don't know. It changes the depth
3: of her sleep. When there's yeah. light.
0: She doesn't get into as deep of a sleep.
1: No, she fights she to get up all night. Mm hmm. What do you mean when you
0: say fights to get up all night? Sh- to stay awake. Okay.
1: stay awake. And when you wake her up, I say, okay, I'm going to wake up, you turn the light on, you give her everything what she wants, and she sleeps back.
0: Yeah, there's something going on there underlying that, that someone needs to assess with her, definitely. Because when we dream, there's a lot that's going on there. And I'm, I'm not into Freudian yeah. theory, but I do believe that there are things that's happening there that won't happen during the day when we're easily distracted. But when we get to a certain level of relaxation, there's some things that I don't know if there's guilt, there's anxiety, there's stress. Something is definitely going on there that's triggering that with her. That need to be explored a little bit more. And you could do that by that with the help of the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. Pray for guidance and direction. You never know. Yes, Dr. Nelson. Oh, that one is difficult. The question is, how do I deal with people find themselves stuck in shift work? That is difficult. I just try to tell them, treat the day as the night and night as the day. That's what I found the most helpful, helping them sleep in complete darkness. You know, I put them on a schedule of regularity and it helps a little. But nothing can emulate the diurnal beings that we are. I mean, that's a difficult thing. But I I turn their days into nights and nights into days. And they find that that's helpful a little because with the darkness and the coolness during the day, if they put the shades down and everything, they do get some melatonin release and all of that. But that's a difficult one, really difficult. And I really don't know where to go with it other than that. Yes? personality tests, like the MMPI, Myers-Briggs, and all of that. The MMPI is that's the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. And it's based on a little bit of science, because what they've done is they've tested thousands of people, and so when you answer, they compare your responses to other people with schizophrenia and depression that has answered, and they're able to diagnose you based on comparing you to these thousands of people. So there's some test reliability there. The problem with that is, even though they have like certain parts of the test where they supposedly can pick, figure out people who's faking bad and faking good. I still believe human beings can put answers on that test that might not necessarily be accurate. That's the problem. You don't think uh, they're helpful too. I think MMPI might be helpful, but not necessary. I used to do a, a lot of testing with it because the state would send people to me to test to see if people are fit parents. Should they be the kid be put back in the home with them and all of that? And it was it was some, somewhat helpful you know, in the secular world. Myers-Briggs, I think, is just crazy. Because it's based on Jungian psychology. And you know anything about Carl Jung, he was as out there as space. So I don't do a lot with Myers-Briggs and all of that anymore. And I think there's a self-fulfilling prophecy that occurs with some of these things. The test says I'm choleric. The test says I'm sanguine. And you start to act these things out. And it might not have been who you really are. So I don't do much personality testing anymore. Um, but those that are based on some science, I can see some merit to it sometimes when people are having a hard time talking and sharing things. You're, yes?
3: You would distinguish from testing that's helping you try and look at your strengths as they have to do with workplace. There are tests that help Like such people as? match up their strengths Oh, and career like
0: counseling? With
3: career yeah. choices. Yes, I used to do that. A different a It's just basically trying to compare apples and apples, successful people that have certain skill sets, personality
0: sets. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think those are helpful for (laughs) non-Christians. But I, I, I really believe the Holy Spirit can lead us into what our calling is. Because, see, those tests are based on the assumption that I'm going to help you to be as successful as you want to be in life based on the worldly standards. But as Christians, our success is defined a little differently. So they can be helpful. I don't know how much we can rely on them. We need to be careful with that. But they are different than the other tests, you're right. They're not as bogus as some of these other tests. Any other questions or comments? Yes. How do you share God how do you with share them?
2: Principles like that yes. Without,
0: I don't know. Yeah, how do you share principles without, I'm just repeating it, um, without breaching um, some of the state regulations and all of that? I didn't have a problem with that because I worked independently, okay. so I could do whatever I can. But when you're in a state agency, you have to be very careful. That's a restriction that you have. The only thing I would share is. Um, share principles from the Bible, and then one day someone may ask, where are you getting these from? And you can share, you know, I'm a Christian, I've just been sharing principles from the Bible that may pique their interest. But other than that, you've got to be real careful because of the church-state issue if you're working in, in agencies like that. But if you're working independently, it's a whole other story. You can do whatever you can. That's where the license comes in. You know, I know some people, I, I haven't given up my license because it's been an opportunity for me to help people. And it, I can work independently, and... Mm-hmm. Thus far, I have not been reported to the ethics board, but I can be, you know. Mm. If if the ethics board, I tell you, that's the, that's the problem here. If the ethics board find out that I'm telling people, eat these foods to address this these things, they couldn't come to me and say, Dr. Parks, you're acting as a nutritionist and you're not trained as a nutritionist. And
2: you say you're taking a holistic approach and that Correct. you're a
3: Christian counselor, that you advertise yourself as a Christian counselor. People already know when they're coming to you yes. that you're gonna get. Right. Dice.
0: Right, right, I can and say that. As long as it's already out in the literature. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say, science supports that, and that'll help me a little. Right, right. right. So, But that's when you're working for agencies, that's a sticky situation. Some people just take the chance and start doing it, but I, you know. Right. Get independent if you can.
2: Yes? Have you heard the research done about nineteen eighty?
3: where in prison they removed their sugar and their white flour
0: The violence level, yes, I did hear about it. I've heard about recently where they increased their omega-3 and the violence levels dropped as well. So yeah, Terry Moreland has the prison out there in, here in California. Yeah. What happened? Oh, that's a whole other story, okay. But that was, that was. I thought it was effective. It was a fantastic
1: program. Yeah. And the state of California, they got jealous. They, they, were, they, didn't, they really want people to keep coming
0: back to prison because it gives them more money. There you go. That's why some people say, you know, um, they worry about lifestyle and what it's gonna do. The need for doctors will never go away because the whole world is not gonna follow this, but there are few who will follow lifestyle. All right, I guess we'll end about seven minutes earlier. God bless each of you, Um, and and remember, test everything by the word of God, amen? Amen. Amen. Dr. Nelson, can you close for us, do you mind? I'm gonna give you this. Uh-oh, oh, Oh, here it is, okay. (laughs)
3: Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for the Bible and the Word that has been opened during these sessions. We thank you for your Spirit's sweet guidance in our lives. Help us to discern as the devil tries to cloud our minds in these end times. Thank you for your Spirit's opening our minds to greater health as we think and do for you is our prayer in Jesus' name.